in this situation. He took a pitch in the back. He got beaten for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Me. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with the Germans bomb Pearl Harbor? The castration of the major league baseball managers. We know it. Ask me about my What's going on, everybody? Another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Alwish's Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Um, I already released my 30 to 1 MLB Countdown preview show, which is available for eight minutes on YouTube and basically gives you an eight-minute tease. If you're interested enough in what you hear over the course of that eight minutes, there's a direct link available to listen to the remaining 52 minutes. I break down all 30 teams in Major League Baseball. And in summary, I take five teams out of the playoffs from last year out of the 10, and I add seven teams, including the two that will be added to the postseason format this year. So in exchange for the Astros, Red Sox, Giants, Cardinals, and Rays, I'm giving you the Blue Jays, the Mariners, the Tigers, the Mets, the Phillies, Padres, and who else? I'm giving you one more team, right? Uh, we're getting there. Coming, coming, coming. Angels. Los Angeles Angels. So it's uh, in exchange for five. You're getting seven different teams. Basically, an hour's worth of me talking summarized in about 30 seconds. Two things I wanted to jump into today. Number one, yeah, you hear the unfortunate news about the Mets, Jacob DeGrom. And the fact that he's going to be sidelined for at least a couple weeks. And you, you, you know the Mets are probably bracing for the fact that he's not going to be with them for a at least the first month of the season. Maybe the first two months of the season. If you look at the path that he took after the series of injuries caught up with him in the 2022 season, you saw that he ended up missing, what, the last four and a half months of the 2021 season. Severely damaging the Mets' opportunity to hold on to the lead that they had when they were in first place for 130 plus days and ended up not making a postseason, finishing the season with a 77 and 85 record. And I'm about to go sacrilege when it comes to Mets fans. And listen, I love the Mets as a sports team more than any any other entity in the entirety of sports. I hope that sometime before my time is up on this world, I see the Mets win themselves a World Series championship. But I take a lot of heat from Met fans because I say certain things that I don't think the regular Met fan that roots for the team day in and day out really wants to hear. Jacob DeGrom not only is injury prone, but I don't think we're ever going to see him at his best again. And I'm going to give you a couple reasons why. If you've followed a lot of the things that are happening over the last couple of years, you could talk about the positives The fact that he's on the mound, there's really nobody better in baseball. He's the best pitcher of this generation. You could talk, you you certainly can't name five pitchers in the history of the New York Met franchise that have had the impact that Jacob DeGrom has had. And you're talking about a franchise that's had Tom Seaver, Jerry Kuzman, Dwight Gooden, David Cohn, you know, many, many others. And Jacob DeGrom certainly ranks in the top five amongst the franchise's best pitchers of all time. Is he the best pitcher of this generation? I believe that also. I'm going to 
throw a little shade on the fact that I don't think that Jacob DeGrom is ever going to be the same on the mound again. Listen, he, he's getting the benefit of the doubt when it comes to these MRIs, which are not showing structural damage. But there's a lot of, it, there's a lot of stuff that goes on mechanically and involving his arm and his shoulder that are really not natural. And to talk about the basics when it comes to pitching, to throw a ball as hard as Jacob DeGrom does on a pitch-in and pitch-out basis is not healthy and over the long term is not going to mean very well for his shoulder, for his elbow. I know he's had Tommy John surgery already. Hopefully he doesn't end up in a spot where he has to have it again. There's going to be these hiccups. There's going to be inflammation. There's going to be tightness. There's going to be different things which are going to sideline Jacob deGrom over long periods of time. You saw it last year. You've seen it at the beginning of this year. I respect Jacob deGrom for his honesty, the fact that, hey, if he feels something that's not right, he goes in, he gets an MRI. But this is going to be a very common thing, all for the one core reason that I'm getting into, the unnatural nature of of throwing the ball 95 to 100 miles an hour every single pitch. And he does that. And he does that as a starting pitcher. You really talk about in baseball that there is very few, if anybody, that's throwing the ball with as much torque, as much effort, and as much velocity on a pitch-in and pitch-out basis than Jacob deGrom. In fact, the only other pitcher in baseball that you could say is exerting as much on every single pitch that he throws is Araldis Chapman. And guess what? He's pitching one inning. He's a closer. And you know what? Maybe over time, this is where Jacob deGrom has to end up to be able to pitch in the major leagues. Because for him to throw 100 pitches, maximum effort, and listen, from his delivery, from his mechanics, everything is fundamentally sound. There's nothing from his end that he is doing wrong here. He's got it set up. He flows very free when he winds up and he delivers the baseball. The problem is no other pitcher in baseball is throwing the ball 98, 99, 100 miles an hour every single pitch. And his fastball usage, which you saw last year, ended up with the results that he got when he pitched to the 1.08 ERA. He was basically unhittable, but there is no shelf life with that. Unfortunately, a certain amount of time he's going to feel some pain. And a certain amount of time he's going to feel some sort of inflammation, some ailment, something that's going to lead to him getting an MRI. Not just missing a couple starts like he did um, you know, in years past, but you're going to see the amount of time that he's going to have to miss because of the torque, the exertion that he puts on his arm, his shoulder, his elbow, and everything in between on every single pitch. And in all seriousness, listen, I love the results. I love the thought of what Jacob DeGrom could do if he makes 30 starts in a given season. I don't see that happening again. And I'm not throwing this out there so I could throw it back at you in a couple years and say, hey, remember when John Pielli was right? This is what I see. Because if this wasn't true, why aren't there other starting pitchers in baseball that are throwing the ball 98 to 100 miles an hour on every single pitch. Max Scherzer isn't doing it. Garrett Cole isn't doing it. And listen, you know, Garrett Cole throws awfully hard. There's times where you see him throw the, his fastball in the high 90s, but he's not doing it all the time. Very few pitchers in baseball are even touching 
triple digits when we're talking about starting pitchers. Now, you see the way the game has changed and favoring the relievers. You have so many relievers that throw the ball 98, 100 miles an hour, but they're only asked to throw 10, 15, 20 pitches. In fact, if they have to throw more than 20 pitches in an inning, odds are the manager or the analytic staff that's making the decision is going to look to pull them because, number one, of effectability, and number two, to protect their arm. Relievers are throwing the ball as hard as they are, and I can actually explain, even though I disagree with the reasoning behind it, I don't want to see more relievers in a game of baseball, but I understand it for those reasons that I just stated. To have a starting pitcher throw the ball as hard as Jacob deGrom throws on a pitch-in and pitch-out basis is not sustainable. You saw it last year. You're seeing it right now. You know, Lord knows how long Jacob deGrom is going to miss before he's back on the mound pitching at an elite level for the New York Mets. And I have no doubt, once his arm's okay, once he's able to, uh, you know, whatever, the inflammation goes down, he's able to prepare himself for his next start, he's going to be lights out. He's going to be unhittable because that's what he is. The problem is he's not going to make 30 starts again in a major league season. I predict it. And maybe he makes some adjustments. Maybe all of a sudden he's not throwing as hard and he does a a better job of preserving the torque that's involved with his elbow and his shoulder and it's impacting him and forcing him to miss significant periods of time. But unless that happens, Jacob deGrom is never going to make 30 starts again. So the other point I wanted to get into involves Bruce Arians and the thought that the former head coach, now the now former head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the National Football League, was forced aside because of Tom Brady. Now, Tom Brady made the decision at the end of this last NFL season, maybe a little bit emotional. Maybe he didn't give himself the appropriate amount of time to figure it out, to think about exactly what he wanted to do, to make sure he was absolutely 100% unequivocally sure of what he wanted to do. He makes the decision. He's going to walk away. He's going to retire. And then it doesn't seem like it's that long later that he decides, hey, I'm coming back. Listen, I mean, to have the ability that Tom Brady had, has, I have 100% belief that he should be playing in the National Football League. I say, hey, the decision is up to him. If he really feels like he's done, then he shouldn't do it anymore. But he obviously has the ability. He's got some bullets left in the tank. He has at least another solid season if he's able to stay healthy to perform at an elite level and give the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the opportunity to win themselves another Super Bowl. But you're hearing, and obviously this is when you know talking heads kind of think a little bit. They have some time to um, take a couple different facts and maybe make some correlation between one fact and the other. And listen, I'm guilty of doing this a lot. I'm going to tell you right now why I don't believe that Bruce Arians not coaching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next year has anything to do with the fact that Tom Brady is coming back for another season. Bruce Arians is 69 years old. Bruce Arians is at a point of his NFL career where he doesn't have anything left to prove. He's won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he has the opportunity to go out on his own terms. Most coaches, most um, managers in baseball, coaches in the NBA, the NHL, in addition to the National Football League, and of course in college, 
are hired to be fired. Very few coaches have the opportunity to go out on their own terms. And this is something that Bruce Arians has the opportunity to do. So that could independently be true on its own. Another impact of Bruce Arians stepping away and essentially picking his successor. How many coaches in the history of the National Football League have essentially had a chance to pick the next coach that's going to succeed them? Bruce Arians has many reasons to select Todd Bowles. The dearth of African-American coaches that exist in the National Football League. There's no guarantee that Todd Bowles was getting a job if Bruce Arians stepped away at the end of the season. He jumps into the front office, he has some say, and Todd Bowles gets another opportunity to be a coach in the National Football League, something that Bruce Arians wanted. I don't think Bruce Arians stepping away is the reason that Tom Brady came back. In fact, I'm willing to say that two independent things could be existing at the same given time, which you say, hey, Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it is just a pure coincidence. Tom Brady could be unsure of whether he wants to play, make a decision to retire, and then come back. And then Bruce Arians could hold off and want to make a decision on his own, have a successor in place that he could essentially select to be the next head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and both things could exist. And oh yeah, a tertiary or another thing that could possibly exist is the fact that there probably is some friction between Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. Some of it has to do with Tom Brady wanting to call the offense. Some of it has to do with the fact that Bruce Arians is an offensive-minded head coach. And it took him a little while before he finally relinquished the offensive play calling. Tom Brady, for what he's done, he's a legend. He's one of the greatest of all time, if not the GOAT. He wants to run his own offense. And can he run an offense at the same time that Bruce Arians is a head coach? Okay, that's about as far as I'm going to push back and say that one thing could have something to do with the other. But I don't think Tom Brady has drawn his line in the sand. I don't think Tom Brady decided that he wasn't going to come back because Bruce Arians was the head coach. There could be some friction. I think it could have been part of his decision to walk away. But I don't think all of a sudden he's coming back because he got the assurance from Bruce Arians that he's going to be back as a head coach. In fact, I believe that Tom Brady decided he was going to come back on his own because he wanted to play football and was going to come back with Bruce Arians as the head coach, which, by the way, the same Bruce Arians that relinquished the play-calling duties to Tom Brady already. So if that's already the case, if Tom Brady is already, as the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, getting what he wants, there could be friction with the head coach. It could be to a point where he says, hey, maybe I've had enough. Maybe it's been a good career. Uh, and you know what? Maybe I, I really don't want to play for Bruce Arians in the end. I think it's a secondary, tertiary, fourth, fifth, sixth reason Maybe some little, uh, I don't know, sugar on top of the cake. Some sprinkles on the top saying, you know what? I'm probably better off. You know, I don't have the same relationship, even though, you know, the Belichick-Brady relationship was not 100% great all the time. It was probably a little bit better than a relationship between Tom and Bruce 
is. But once again, Bruce Arians isn't leaving the organization. If Arians left the organization and then the next day Tom Brady announced he was coming back, then I would see more of a correlation between the two. My point is exactly this. There is two, poss two things that happened at the same time, coincidentally, and guess what? One has nothing to do with the other. Tom Brady was uncertain about whether he wanted to retire. He wanted to walk away. Maybe one of the reasons was his uh, impaired relationship with Bruce Arians. It might have been one of a number of things. Tom decided to walk away. At some point, Tom, well, he's talking with his dad, whether he's talking with his agent, whether he's talking with his wife, his children, makes some decision at some point that he feels like he wants to go out there and play for another season. You know what? In five years, you can't say, hey, I want to come back. You know what? That, that fire's still inside you. The fuel's still burning. You want to go out there and play another NFL season. He's going to go out there and do it. That could have happened independently. And Bruce Arians, on his side, could have very well wanted to plan this out, maybe decided he wasn't going to come back as the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next year and wanted to make sure that something that didn't exist in the NFL and hasn't existed that much, there's some sort of succession plan in place. Chuck Noll passed the Steelers off to Bill Cowher. Bill Walsh passed the San Francisco 49ers off to George Seifert. Bill Parcells tried to pass the New York Jets off to... Bill Belichick, you know, that didn't work out, but those are very few examples of succession plans that exist amongst NFL head coaches. Usually, even the best head coaches out there end up retiring, they end up leaving on their own terms, and the organization goes out there and makes a new decision. They bring in somebody, usually, from another organization. You don't see generations and generations or... Um, years upon years of the same staff in place. Bruce Arians is 100% aware of this. And I think that's important. It's important to think about because I think this makes it seem like it's all Tom Brady and it's Tom Brady getting his way. And I get it. I think the divas, which used to exist as the wide receivers in the NFL, though they're still out there. You could talk about the Odell Beckhams, the Jarvis Landrys, the you know, the Devontae Adams wanting to get the you know the money that he's getting, Amari Cooper, yada yada yada. Obviously in past generations, the Yosho Cinco's, the TOs, and, and and talk about how that still exists. Antonio Brown being what he is, still saying some crazy stuff. Like he really thinks there's a laundry list of teams that want him to play for him after the way he acted after that game last year with the Tampa Bay Bucks. But there is a gentleman's club that exists amongst the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks have as much power as any position in any professional sport. Tom Brady knows that. Tom Brady knows that he could pretty much have whatever it is that he wants. And I think because of that, a lot of those in the media will run with it and assume that one had something to do with the other. And I don't think it did in this instance. That's all. I mean, is there some of it? Is there some truth to it? Is Tom Brady a little bit happier knowing that Bruce Arians isn't going to be on the field, isn't going to be running the practices, isn't going to be the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers anymore? No. And Tom's going to be the offensive coordinator, which he was going to be anyway. Bruce already essentially relinquished the play-calling duties to Brady with a little bit of help 
from Byron Leftwich. Who's still going to be there? Brady doesn't have any issue with Byron Leftwich, at least from, from what we've heard. So Brady and Leftwich are going to be together. They would have been together anyway. And Arians had done a very good job over the last year plus of holding away from calling the plays of the offense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That was all true. So I don't see this being a Tom Brady saying, hey, me or him, because like I said, if you look at the chronological order, the timeline of everything that happened, it didn't happen that way. And you could say, hey, listen, if this is your narrative, if this is your point that you're trying to jam down my throat, you, you could talk about how there's semantics involved. You could talk about how this was all planned to be like that, to deceive us, to uh, uh, throw a ruse into the mix, a cunning attempt to trick me into thinking that what you believe it was really wasn't the case. I, I don't see it. Like I said, I see two things happening at the same time. Tom Brady pondering his future. Tom Brady already getting what he wants with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's calling his own plays, even if Bruce Arians is still the head coach. And then Bruce Arians simultaneously deciding he wants to have a succession plan in place to give his buddy, Todd Bowles, another chance to be an NFL head coach. A coach that, by the way, Bruce Arians has believed in from day one. Number two, Bruce Arians thought he got a raw deal with the Jets. Number three, he wants to make sure that he has a chance to win when he becomes a head coach again in the National Football League. All things, all problems, all issues are solved by Bruce Arians stepping away, taking a position in the front office of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and naming Todd Bowles his successor and the next head coach. And by the way, the whole black head coach in the National Football League thing, there was three last year, now there's four. There's more black head coaches in the National Football League because Bruce Arians was willing and able to step away. Something that, by the way, and I don't mean to just randomly throw this in there, I could see happening with the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. When Andy Reid's done coaching, which, by the way, you know nobody's here to push him out. He's got the right to coach that team, you know, as long as they continue to perform at the high level as they do with Patrick Mahomes leading that offense. Andy Reid's got basically a free pass to stay there as long as he wants to. And you know what? Maybe he will have a succession plan in place. When he's ready to step aside, Eric Bieniemy, who's not getting a fair opportunity, you could talk about how bad he's interviewing. You could talk about how teams want to go in a different direction, that they may have dove too much in Eric Bieniemy's past, yada, yada, yada. Basically the same shit that you hear all the time when you're trying to put a black person down. Andy Reid believes in Eric Bieniemy. And I believe, predict, and I'm announcing at some point that Andy Reid will step aside when he's done coaching. Could be after this year, could be after next year, could be after five years, for, for all we know. Only Andy Reid knows how long he wants to be a head coach in the National Football League. He's gotten to a Super Bowl. He's won a Super Bowl. He's won two AFC championships. He's been in the AFC championship game. You know, geez, how many times in a row? He's got the right to coach that team as long as he wants to, as long as he's able to maintain the same level of success that the Kansas City Chiefs have had over the last couple of years. Yes, it's going to be a little more of a challenge. Russell Wilson is in that division now. Justin Herbert may be the best quarterback in that division. Maybe not now. He may be blossoming into that. 
And then, of course, you got the Raiders, who got Devontae Adams to pair with Derek Carr. You got Josh McDaniels running that New England offense in Las Vegas. The best division in football might make it a little tough for the Kansas City Chiefs, but if Andy Reid gets his way, he's going to step aside at some point and probably do exactly what Bruce Arians did for Todd Bowles with Eric Bieniemy. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two A's, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We will be back with you, uh, probably not for a little while. I think we're going to do a show probably Thursday morning of opening day, Major League Baseball season starting. Um, I will be down in Washington, D.C., watching the Mets play the Washington Nationals without Jacob deGrom, whom I've spent a lot of time talking about on this show. So uh, good luck to the start of the next season. I'll do a little bit of more of a preview, some um, tidbits and things to throw into the mix on Thursday morning show, the seventh day of April 2022. Till then, God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the freaking World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on living my life. I may come out as the biggest Major League Baseball manager apologist. That'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Especially prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm a dude who played the dude disguises another dude. There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. And what side of the spectrum they're on? Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside to hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if, if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100%, unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at They put their tail between their legs and decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. You damn well right better give him a contract extension. You damn well right better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion.